the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Fear Not. As today, Sean focuses on anxiety and a lot to be anxious about. Family, work, bad news in the world, and the ripples of a pandemic that won't go away. The Bible definitely has specific things to say about worry and being anxious. Pastor Sean will help spell it out and give you some hope. Reachingforreallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do so today. There's a place to give at reachingforreallife.org. The message today is called The New Normal. The series is called Fear Not. Pastor Sean starts off in Philippians chapter 4. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. Today's message is called The New Normal. And I want to focus in a little bit on anxiety because it feels like that's the new normal. So many people are struggling with anxiety. So many people deal and wrestle with anxiety that I think it's a manifestation of fear that we got to talk about. According to Psychology Today, they said this, the chances are fairly high that either you or a loved one has had a history of anxiety. In any given year, about 17% of us will experience some type of anxiety disorder. And over our lives, about 28% of us will have some kind of, or experience some kind of anxiety disorder. That's beyond just normal, okay, I'm, I'm a little concerned about something, to, okay, it becomes some habitual, something that is ongoing. And if you have one anxiety disorder, again, according to psychology today, then you probably have two or three anxiety disorders and possibly depression. That's, I'm getting depressed now just hearing that. The most common anxiety disorders are panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder. I think I've experienced that one. And specific phobia, just specific things that people have fears over. 49% of the general population has had some kind of history of anxiety, depression, substance abuse, or some combination of all three. 49%. That's alarming. This part is even more alarming in the article. And anxiety has been increasing. The average high school student today has the same level of anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. We're getting more anxious every decade. And I was like, okay, when, when I read that, I'm like, okay, that seems extreme. You know, I know it's from Psychology Today, and I know these are all PhDs, these are all psychiatrists and psychologists who are writing these things, but come on, seriously? So I talked to a group of young people from... River City. My kids were among them, as well as others. They talked about how anxiety is epidemic among their friends. They struggle with it. Depression. You know how when you try to call a young person 
Okay, and who's a young person? Anyone younger than me. That's <laughs> you know when you try to phone call, and like that phone, that it actually has speakers and receivers, and you can actually talk on it. I, <laughs> there's a dad over there who gets, they get annoyed. It's off-putting when you call, like you want to talk. And I'm like, seriously, th- th- what, what they told me, they said there's literally a little bit of anxiety. When it's a phone call. A text I can process. I can just read it. I can decide how I want. It's not so right there in the moment. There's that, that, that for many, that's an anxiety thing. Others just don't want to talk to their parents. Okay, I get that. <laughs> but there's this sense of anxiety associated with it. We had an experience. We were at Schlitterbahn probably a year and a half, two years ago. We are at Schlitterbahn. And, uh, you know, they had really beefed up security and had the big, long security line. You had to have your bags checked and everything checked when you went through and got in, right? Well, we did all that. We went through, had our bags, all the thing. Well, we get in, we're there for a little bit, and Ryan and I, we got to run out to the car and get something, okay? We left something in the car. So, so he and I go out and go get in the car. We come back, and that line is really long, and I'm like, oh, for the love of, you know. And, and there was a little place, they had this little fence, and then some plant potters that were the bare, and there's a space between them. I said, look how the Lord has provided, and I ran through. I'm like, good, good news, Ryan. We can just go through. Ryan's like, whoa, they're not taking security seriously at all. This is a problem. I'm like, this is an opportunity, son. <laughs> this is good news. <laughs> the, the difference in the way we looked at those things was, was startling. And again, R- R- Ryan is a guy, he's very balanced. I, I consider Ryan to be a very balanced, kind of just comfortable in his own skin kind of guy. But, but he reminded me. He and his generation grew up like after 9-11. And security has been a part of their lives and everything. I didn't. I saw all this security. I'm like, what the heck is this for? You know, and I understand. I understand. I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm in the right place in this. I'm saying what he would tell me is that he and his peers and Ryan at the time was youth pastor and he would say, students, they live with a whole set of fears and anxieties and things that we probably didn't wrestle with in the same way years before. And it, that is an epidemic among young people today. And psychology today would agree. I think there's a number of different reasons for this. One of them is we live in increased isolation. We really do. We move more. We change jobs more. We have less civic involvement, less church involvement. We get married later, so we're alone more. We live alone more. Our entertainment, we, we, have, the, we have streaming services. We have home entertainment systems. We do more. There's less occasion for us just to go hang out with people and kind of be balanced. In isolation, we get imbalanced. And one of those manifestations is anxiety. Also, instability, family structures. The divorce rate, which is interesting, divorce rates kind of stay in the same. It's not increasing. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, well, that's because less people are getting married. <laughs> you need a marriage for there to be a divorce. And, and what happens is, is that children who grow up in unstable situations and, and families that are, are broken, they just they struggle with different levels of instability. And that has an effect on us. Our own experience, if we walk through a divorce, that creates instability. We used to work for the same company for most of your career and then have a company retirement. That doesn't exist anymore for most. It creates a sense of, of instability and anxiety. 
We have higher economic expectations and less confidence in how we're going to achieve those expectations. Ryan and his generation grew up with the news in their pockets, like we all have now. And every negative thing that happens in the world happens at the, it all hits you at the same time. It does. All hits you at the same time. And we're all hearing it. Used to be much more localized. You knew what was going on in your town, maybe the major city near you. But you didn't have every horrible, horrific thing in the world streamed in your pocket 24-7. And that creates a sense of, it, it distorts your perspective of reality. You think all that is happening in your world, when very little of it is happening in your world, it's happening in the world, but what we do is we automatically go, that's my world. Technology. Not only does it, has it made all the bad news in the world at one time in our pockets, but it literally rewires our brains. We, we, we go back to the phones. We go back to the apps. When you have the little badges on the apps, I've got to do something. I've got to do something. There's this sense of anxiety and stress. One of the greatest causes and triggers of anxiety and depression is stress. And we live in a high-stress world. And here's the thing. We may or may not even be aware of it. It's like a, it's like a low hum. It becomes almost white noise, emotional white noise. Because it's so constant, you, you kind of don't even notice it. Whereas before, if you had a, more, a little slower pace and a little more peace, when you were anxious about something, you felt it, you noticed it. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling anxious about this event or this thing that could happen or this thing I have to do. But we live with this kind of low-grade buzz of anxiety, many of us. And it's not good for us. I just want to say, if you struggle with anxiety, obviously you're not alone. You're not alone. There are a lot of different things that contribute to how we respond to fear and anxiety. Our backgrounds, our history, our habits, even our physiology, our physiology can affect how anxiety affects us. I just want to say, if you're here and you, you know, I struggle with anxiety. A couple years ago, I did a series, and we focused on this issue, and there was a great resource. And so many people who read this book got help. It's a book, but it's by an author named J.P. Moreland. J.P. Moreland, he's a brilliant Christian thinker, teacher, theologian, Talbot School of Theology, uh, Biola University in California. I mean, written some fantastic books from a very biblically centered place. And yet he struggled with anxiety. And so he did a ton of research. And again, this is a scholar. This is a, this is a, a PhD in his own right. And, and he did research, he chronicled his own experience, and he put it all in the book. It is a fantastic resource. The book is called Finding Quiet. Finding Quiet. So if you have struggled with anxiety and you want some more help, you, you want a resource, Finding Quiet by J.P. Moore, and you get it on Amazon, other places, fantastic resource. I encourage you in that. So we live in this world with kind of anxiety and other things, and then add to it, our world has grown increasingly obsessed with fear. And it doesn't help. Fear and anxiety are like two sides of the same coin. And in the world that over the last year, not, it, it seems in the last few years that fear has become synonymous with responsibility. If, you, if you're not afraid, you're irresponsible. Which is absolutely not true. And it is, it is not good for us. It is not biblical. But in the last year particularly, with the pandemic and all of us going through this same encounters everywhere, showing us people who've died from this pandemic all over the world, 
And it's like the fear. It, it doesn't matter that 99 point whatever percent of people survive COVID. Most people do not know that. They really think that this is something that is, if you get it, it you, you could, you, likelihood is you're going to die. I, I'm just telling you that's just not true. Don't believe me. Go to the CDC. Go to John Hopkins. Do some research. But it's like this fear thing that has been pushed at us over and over, and everything has become just a high degree of fear. It's not helpful, and especially when you combine it with the already anxious nature so much of our culture we are being hurt by this badly. That's why we, we're doing the series, Fear Not. And this is where we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The New Normal. It's in the series called Fear Not, which is available right now on the sermon page at reachingforreallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. And in fact, your gift of any amount will get you the latest book from Pastor Sean Azar. 302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer, but I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, The New Normal. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. We've walked through a few key ideas. Let me kind of recap those for you a bit. First thing we learned is the beginning of my fearlessness is learning to trust his faithfulness. The whole premise of this series is that we serve a God who loves us enough to send Jesus Christ to die for us and then is powerful enough to bring him back from the dead, to raise him from the dead. That's your father. That's the one who fills you by his spirit. The beginning of my fearlessness is learning to trust his faithfulness. Then we learn that overcoming fear is not about altering the future. Listen, control freaks. We control freaks. We try to control everything. And all that does is make us afraid because control is kind of an illusion sometimes. We can't control most things that happen. Overcoming fear is not about altering the future, but rather seeing it differently. And we talked about the lenses of fear versus the lens of faith. How do I look at the world? What do I see when I look ahead? or when I look at circumstances. And then we talked about one of the great fears that so many of us struggle with. It's the fear of people, fear of man. What will they think of me? What about, I don't want to go against their opinions. I don't, don't want people to disagree with me. I want everyone to approve of me. I need that affirmation. The fear of man. And we saw the antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. In this day of incredible groupthink, if you don't think exactly what everybody else thinks, the, the kind of modern or contemporary orthodoxy of the day, which will change every six months, if you don't think exactly that, then you're, you're, not only are you uninformed, even unintelligent, you're a bad person. 
If you're going to be a godly, independent, effective, fruitful individual, you better get used to being at odds with the wildly changing contemporary orthodoxy. You better just get to, used to being that person who, yeah, I'm just going to keep going in the path of wisdom that God's word gives me. That's who I'm going to be. The antidote to the fear of man is confidence in the sovereignty of God. I can't control the future, but I do know the one who does, and I do know he is good, and he is, it's all in his hands. And then last week, we learned a very practical tool to address one of our primary fears, the fear of not having enough. Remember the topic was who's going to pay these bills? And we talked about the tithe. The tithe is an ongoing discipline of my fear. Listen, it is a discipline of my fear because it is a regular declaration of my faith. If you missed last week's message and you struggle with this fear, I encourage you to, to go back and look at that because that, I mean, I'm telling you, God gave us this practice that trains our heart in fearlessness and teaches us the goodness of God and teaches us to prove it mathematically. Very powerful. And we challenged us in this issue of being regular in this thing we call the tithe. Now, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. These few verses, I'm telling you, there's so much packed into these few verses. This is a practical, a group of practical remedies for fear and anxiety. They really are. Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he just breaks into this conversation. And again, it's a small section, but I'm going to stop every few moments just because there's so much truth I want to just highlight for you as we go through. Beginning at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Now, why do you write that? Is that poetic? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. No, he's saying it to, to emphasize this. Almost as though, I don't want you to think I'm just giving you some kind of platitudes. Oh, rejoice in the Lord always. No, no, listen to me. I mean it. You guys, rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again here. I'm serious. Rejoice in the Lord. That's the way Paul is writing this to us. He wants us to understand this is an instruction. This isn't, oh, it's possible for you to rejoice. He's saying, no, I want you to do this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Then he goes on and says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. That's interesting. He's about to talk to us about anxiety, anxiousness, and he says, let your gentleness be known to all, be evident to all. The Lord is near. Why would he put that in, in the midst of this? Because he's clearly going to give us, unpack this anxiousness, this fear to us. I wonder if the source of a lot of my fear or anxiety is my forcefulness as opposed to, my, as opposed to his gentleness. My trying to make sure I can push things through and get control things and get things done the way I want versus being gentle and leaving some things in his hand. I find it interesting. Jesus in Matthew 11, remember what he said? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am what? Gentle and humble in heart. Come and learn. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Okay, wait a minute. You're talking about rest. You're talking about giving me rest, giving me peace. And gentleness is what I need to learn. And I realize, oh, I guess a lot of the source of my unrest or maybe my anxiety is forcefulness. I need my way. 
And what he's saying is, no, no, be, let your gentleness be evident to all. And you know why you can? Because the Lord is near. Because the Lord is near. You're not on your own. You're not left out to dry. He's, he's near. And then he says this, verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. And let me point out, he doesn't present that as an option. He presents it as a command. He says, do not be anxious. And it's a command. That's interesting. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition. Why does he separate those out? What's the difference? By prayer and petition. Prayer is that just turning to the Lord and that communion with him and that communication with the Father. Petition is actually saying, Father, here's what I need. So by the, by the communion and the connection with Father, and then by bringing your needs to him, which he invites us to do, do not be anxious, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, do you realize how different it is when we come with an attitude of thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is such a powerful thing. Gratitude, such a powerful heart condition. If you have anxiety, one of the things I'll bet you're struggling with is gratitude. I'm not saying that as some blanket statement. I'm just saying as we start counting the blessings that God has given, start with gratitude reflecting on the good things, it's one of those things that gives us kind of some hope and some confidence for what the future has. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding. This is a peace that is different. It's not, it's not just the absence of conflict. It's not just a ceasefire. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I love that. Peace will guard our hearts and minds. From what? From anxiety. From that stress, that fear. And then he goes into this. Finally, my brothers and sisters, whatever is true, listen, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. And then he summarizes it with this. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you think matters. And look at that list. True, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, Excellent, praiseworthy. Think about these things. What that basically means, i got to stop watching the media. Because I never hear about that stuff. No, it really is making me angry. How, how, and I love being informed, but I'm, I'm having to just say, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not, I can't plug into that so much. Because it is such a distortion. Do you notice how, and whatever it is, I don't care what it is, whatever area of life, bad news is what the media is going to hammer, hammer, hammer. Then when the good news comes, it's like nobody talks about that. Have you noticed that? I mean, mean, stop and think about that. Whatever major issue you want, the pandemic, when an area of the country's numbers are going, they got lots of cases, oh my gosh, hospitalizations, all the very serious things, and that's front page, front page, front page, front page. When that when that area of the company or that area of the country does something well, and those numbers go down, and they get it under control, and things are better, you never hear about it. Just like we go on, let's go to the next place where they're in the midst of a crisis. And then the next place that's in the midst of a crisis. I mean, I, I'm, I'm tired of it. It's, it's a distorted perspective. I mean, the thousands of things that police officers do every single week to help people, to serve people, to protect people. That's, nev- that's not news, is it? But if there's one bad outcome here and another one over here, everybody... 
if you just look through the lens of media, which, by the way, what other lens do I have? I, my, I live my life. My view of the world is often what's happening in the news. I would have this view of, oh, my gosh, this is the only thing that's happening in the world. You see, one of the ways that, that news can be very, very sly this way, it's not that I have to lie about something necessarily. It's just what I talk about versus what I don't. It's what I choose to cover versus what I don't. And bad news sells. Anxiety, arising, that low hum of anxiety for the whole culture, that's good for media because it keeps them clicking, keeps them clicking. I got to know more. I got to try to control more. I got, I got to figure out more. And, and it's, it's one of these things where you want to, if you want to take seriously the scripture we just read, whatsoever things are right, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think on these things, well, man, I got to stop. I got to start paying attention to what I'm reading, what I'm looking at all the time. And, and guys, understand, I, I love being informed. I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a news junkie. And I've had to stop. I've had to step back because it's real hard for me to do what the Scripture says here, which I know is a major, it's a major step towards living with a different kind of peace and living free from fear. And I'm serious about following the Word of God. And that takes some bold steps. And one of them is i got to turn off the media more because I, I'm not getting a fair and accurate perspective. And, and it's one of those things where it's like, I'll try to get my news somewhere else. I'll try to stay informed somewhere else. Think about these things. What's true, what's noble, what's right, what's pure, what's lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about such things. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series called Fear Not... It's available right now on demand at reachingforreallife.org. And we'd also love to hear from you on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find the Donate tab at reachingforreallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, right next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church, and we hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.